0: One of the most reviled men in Congress. And yet, you got to ask yourself, why, really? What has he done that's so different? And frustrations, sadness, and not much healing. And should we get rid of Thanksgiving? I mean, we're getting rid of Columbus Day. Why not Thanksgiving?
1: Uncensored. Unfiltered. Unhinged. It's the CorelCast. Listen daily on your favorite streaming service. It is the
0: Carell cast. I am Carell. Happy Thanksgiving week. So very glad you are joining me. He is one of the most reviled men in Congress. Uh, everybody is on the bandwagon nowadays to get rid of George Santos. He is the congressman from New York. He has already said he is not going to seek re election. Now, you know, before, and before I begin about that, can I just say that over the weekend, Rosalind Carter died and. It was sad for me because their love story, Jimmy and Rosalind, uh, really endured through all the years. And you know, you know that Jimmy probably wanted to go uh, before Rosalind did, uh, you know, because it's, very, it's so hard to say goodbye after all that time. He moved her into hospice on Friday. She died on a Sunday. Uh, very, very sad. And, you know, she advocated for mental health she was an outspoken first lady. She she was an incredible, incredible woman. They both are incredible people. And it's really sad. And it's sad that Trump, you know, attacked Carter the day he was putting his wife, you know, into hospice care. Uh, but of course, he has no class or cooth or anything like that anyway. So I don't, you know. Uh, and that really brings me back to George Santos. There are, my entire life, the GOP has been filled with despots, just terrible criminal people, people who commit criminal acts overtly, uh, people who commit criminal acts not so overtly behind the scenes. Uh, and I'm not going to limit it to uh, you know, the GOP, but uh, let's just be real. The GOP is a filthy party uh, and they've had many, many, many criminals in their party And none of them have really been treated like George Santos has been treated. And as I see, you know, all the hoopla over him, I kind of have to wonder, is it because he's gay? I know that sounds odd. I mean, look, the man can't tell the truth to save his life. But which politician can? You know, and yes, the man misappropriated campaign funds. Which GOP politician hasn't? You know, even Trump, I mean, so many of them have have either been brought up on charges or should have been brought up on charges for campaign finance violation. And many have and stayed in office. So this fervor that they're going after Santos seems extraordinarily hypocritical to me from not just the Republicans, but the Democrats. Let's not forget there's a prominent Democrat on trial right now. He had cash stuffed in his suits and in his wife's clothing and the whole thing. The breed of politician that we have today, most of them are filthy. And most of them are criminals. And I, and I really hate to, to paint with that brush, but particularly in the GOP. It seems to be the party, like the Catholic Church seems to attract pedophiles, the GOP seems to attack or attract criminals. And so, yeah, it's fun to pick on George Santos. I mean, he's such an easy target. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Poor Kitana, his drag name. But I do have to wonder, does his gayness have something to do with it? Now, a lot of you will say, nah, Correll, it's really that he just got caught or that, you know, he wasn't smart about it or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm not, but I mean, look, Donald Trump has not suffered nearly what George Santos has suffered. The scrutiny, the public outcry, you know, all of that. Trump not only has not suffered it, but he's running for re-election. Santos is saying he's not going to run for reelection. And yet Trump is, and Trump committed insurrection. A court just said that, even though they didn't remove him from the ballot. So we have basically a guy that committed treason, the highest crime that there is when it comes to the Constitution, running for president again with the full support of the GOP. But then you got George Santos. He didn't commit treason. He just watched some porn and bought some beauty products and, you know, that was good of him. It's something a good old queen would do, you know, and he did it with campaign funds. Well, what's worse? doing it with campaign funds or bilking your donors for not just your campaign, but for a political action committee where you can use that money for whatever you want. Now, sure, Santels wasn't smart about it. But at the same time, his crimes do not seem to rise to the high crimes and misdemeanors of many other in his party. So you have to wonder, why are they going for his blood? I don't have the answer other than he's gay. It it seems to me that the only thing that's different about him than any other other GOP members who are blatant criminals and crooks is that Santos happens to be gay. So and why a gay man would want to be in the GOP in the first place? I mean that, that right there that just boggles my mind like why are you even in this party? But he is and they're going after him with a fervor And as far as I'm concerned, you know, leave Santos alone. Uh, Really? What has he done that's hurt you or I? Most of these, these people, they do crimes that actually hurt us. He hasn't hurt me. He hasn't hurt anybody but himself. He's, you know, misappropriated some finance and all of that. Yeah, he's voted for things that, you know, I wouldn't want him to vote for, but he's a member of the GOP. But who has he harmed? Trump sold you know, documents to the Saudis and, and committed espionage and treason and insurrection and someone died at the insurrection. I mean, this guy is filthy and he's out campaigning, raising millions, using that money to fuel his jet, to to do all kinds of things. And meanwhile, Santos watched a little porn, bought some beauty products. You know, who cares? And that's the big thing. Who cares? Well, Correll, we can't let this corruption—well, then throw them all out on both sides of the aisle, because as far as I'm concerned, the only thing that Santos did differently is he got caught. He wasn't as smart about it as the others, because he was new to it. There, there's no handbook on, you know, how to successfully dupe the American people. You have to learn that by being in the halls of Congress and being around people who are good at doing it. He wasn't good at duping us yet. And so for that, he must pay. His real crime is ignorance. That's his crime. That's ignorant. But that's his crime, ignorance. He was ignorant the way he went about it. If he had been smarter about it, he'd have a promising political career. And so, you know, I do, I wonder about the gay thing. I do, you know, I mean, Republicans, they're that petty. So, I'm like, are they just going after him because he's a queer? Maybe. Just maybe. I don't know. but it it does amaze me. And look, I love to make fun of him, and he's great fodder for late night TV. You know, he's a wonderful punching bag. But you gotta wonder why they chose that bag to punch when there are so many others in their ranks that are committing crimes of all kinds that if committees looked into, If the public scrutinized, you know, if, look, he's the one under the spotlight. If you put every, like, put Matt Getz under a spotlight. Matt Getz, you know, they talk about him and child sex trafficking. Not watching OnlyFans and buying some Sephora, child sex trafficking. Jim Jordan looked the other way while students were being raped. We know that he did that. I mean, and, you know, he was going to be, he was in line to be Speaker of the House. So, again, I ask, why? What do you think? I'd love to hear your comments down below or email me, comments at reallycorel.com. Why do you think George Santos is being made this sacrificial lamb? You know, why are they going after him with when punching him and dragging him through the mud when there are so many members of their caucus? that have committed crimes much worse than George Santos. I'd love to hear about it. All right, when we come back, over the weekend, I I did something, and it was so sad to me. Uh, and it shows why our healthcare system is really not the best in the world, actually.
1: It's broadcasting from a completely different point of view. Yours... Listen daily to the Corel Cast on your favorite streaming service. You're listening to the Corel Cast. Driving you home or driving you crazy.
0: I am angry and I am embarrassed, and I'm going to share with you why, because it has pointed out some huge healthcare flaws to me uh, that just, uh, I've been, I'm sad, I'm angry, and I am embarrassed. And so I'll tell you my personal experience, and then you can see if you relate to this, or if you agree that we have been sold that our healthcare system is the best in the world. And while it might be the most expensive and yes, we do get access sooner than some other countries. It has become a for-profit money-making mill, you know? And it's, it's sad. So let me tell you how I came to this realization. So uh, Saturday, so last Monday, I had my complete physical, but my doctor barely touched me, you know? And I told her that I was having a pain from the under of my left armpit over to my nipple, right here, for those of you watching, from here to here. Okay, so from right here, from my breast area, over to my left armpit, basically. And that at times, the pain got intense. She didn't even really feel around there and said, oh, it's just probably the way you're sitting or it's muscles or whatever. So, you know, just hope that it gets better and away you go. So without upset over that which i should have been upset and stopped and said no you will help me figure what this is you know figure out what this is i went on my merry way well throughout the week the pain increased and saturday while i was out walking with ember it got to be where i felt like there was a dagger right here right in between the armpit uh and the breast and like going where my lung is and just it felt like i was being stabbed and i thought you know what I can't get an appointment with my primary care for three weeks, okay? And I'm not going to go over the holidays with this pain and not know what this pain is. And of course, if you read Google, it's, you know, it's cancer or it's lung this or blood clots that or whatever. So I'm like, you know what? I have insurance. I'm going to go to the urgent care, you know, and say, look, now it hurts when I breathe in, you know, and it's a stabbing pain and it hurts. And so, you know, there's got to be something going on. Tell me what to do. Should I be taking Tylenol or should I not be sitting in a certain way or should I not be exercising right now or or what? What's going on and what should I do? Because this hurts. So I was all geared up. I'm going to go get my answers. And then I thought, well, the urgent cares are much further than this brand new hospital, Southern Hills Hospital, uh, and their ER slash urgent care. And I said, I'll go there. So I go in. And the first thing is you scan your ID to check in. That's that's how, you know, that's how you check in. You scan your ID. I'm like, well, okay, I guess it's fast. Uh, so I did. Uh, and then the triage nurse took me. She did my blood pressure, uh, you know, and, and then I told her what was wrong. I pointed out where the pain was. And she goes, so in your chest? And I said, well, I guess that's part of my chest. Sure, yeah, it's, you know, between my my nipple and my armpit. So sure, part of my chest. Uh, She goes, do you have any medical conditions? I told her, not really. Uh, The only thing that I get seen for annually is my aorta is growing. Okay, great. So after she triages me, they take me right into the back. And they put me on an EKG. And I'm like, okay, uh, I'm not here for my heart. But I guess because this is a chest pain, technically, they have to do that. And then this doctor comes in and he hands me a card, which is... It's kind of new for me, a doctor coming in and handing you a card like a salesman. And he says, what's going on? And I told him, I have showed him, I have this pain from here to here, blah, blah. He didn't touch it, didn't do anything. He said, oh, and I see you have an, an expanding aorta. I said, yes, I do. That's the only. he goes. When's the last time that was checked? I said, March. And it was fine, 4.375. He's like, okay, great. We're going to do a scan with contrast of your chest. Now, this doctor hasn't spoken to me for 15 seconds. And already he's telling me I'm going to have a scan with contrast of my my chest. And I'm like, "Um, okay, I thought you would just maybe palpitate the area or something, but okay. Oh, no, well, with your history and your aorta and stuff, we want to make sure that this is not deferred pain and there's been no dissection and there's no blood clots on your lungs that could be causing this pain, no embolus, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. So then they go and they sit me down by, you know, a a station to take my blood. And right next to the station is a bathroom where three nurses are trying to get a guy to go pee. Uh, They're deciding whether he can use a urinal or whether they need a catheter. He's standing there with his ass hanging out literally two feet from me. Okay? And all this is going on. So then they take four things of my blood. And I'm like, I just had complete labs a week ago. Like the results are in Quest Diagnosis. No, no, we got to redo them. Well, why? Well, things could have changed. Oh, okay. So they take four tubes of blood. Then they bring me to a waiting room, which is not the main waiting room out in the lobby, but yet another waiting room where there's other patients waiting on IV poles and, and you know, on machines, the whole thing. So I go into this room and I thought, well, these people are all sick. Luckily, I was in a mask. Then they come and they want to inject something into the port that he left in my arm. And I said, what's that? And they said, oh, it's your nausea and pain medicine. I said, I'm not nauseous. And I didn't ask for pain medicine. Oh, okay. Well, then we won't give it to you. I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, I didn't say I was nauseous ever. And, you know, I told him I don't want any opiates or pain medicine. And yet here they are with these shots. And I'm like, well, it's like, I wonder how much they get paid for that. So then I sit there waiting and start talking to people. And there's four people in this waiting area that are there because of diabetes. One has open, weeping wounds, which the nurse dresses right next to me, you know, with his vancomycin IV pole, and he's all slouched over in the wheelchair, and she's sopping his wounds and, and bandaging them up. Another person, I mean, they're getting care right in this lobby. They're not being taken to a room. And I thought, oh, this is this is where I'm waiting. This is it. I'm not going to be taken to a room. So I'm sitting there for an hour. Then they come and get me to do the scan. And I'm like, okay, I kind of think the scan's overkill, but okay. Um, So they do the scan with the contrast. And Ember is so cute. She laid at the top of the table. Uh, And then they bring me back. And then in another hour, over in a half hour, they offer me another nausea and pain shot. I said, no, not needing that. And then a half hour after that, the doctor comes back and says, well, your air is fine. Um, We didn't see any blood clots or anything. So just follow up with your primary care. And I said, well, doctor, you haven't felt like my throat or under my arm to see if maybe this is a lymph node or if this is, you know, well, you're just not in an emergent situation. So, you know, you can go. And I'm like, but I came here for an answer. Like, why is there a stabbing pain here? And he's like, well, we don't know. I don't know. And that was that. He then walked away after saying, I don't know he walked away and two of the people sitting across from me were like well ain't that some shit they really were they were like wow you know you point blank asked him i came here for an answer and and you're not even helping you didn't you took tests that i didn't ask and one that i probably didn't need you're trying to give me medicine for conditions i didn't tell you i have and now I ask you for an answer as to why there is this stabbing pain here. And you tell me you don't know and you walk away. All in all, the visit will probably cost my insurance $10,000. And I left not only with no answers, but I left angry that I got no care. I got no care. None. Uh, they, they, they ran tests that I'm not sure I needed they used contrast and radiation on me that i would have preferred an mri instead of a ct and while it was great that i didn't have any blood clots and my heart's fine and there's no calcium and the aorta is fine and all this other stuff that's great they didn't address the pain so now my primary care doctor has not really addressed it and the ER urgent care hasn't really addressed it. And yet, between both visits, probably $10,000, dollars $20,000. This guy was handing out scans like he was Oprah. There was a kid there coughing. Thank God I was in a mask. Oh, we'll scan his chest to see if it's pneumonia. It wasn't pneumonia. He had RSV. There was another guy with a pain in his right side. Oh, yeah, I have a pain right here. Oh, do you have your appendix? Yes. Okay, we'll scan and make sure it's not your appendix. This guy was passing out cards and lining up scans like he worked for the scanner manufacturer and not for the hospital. You know, in Europe, they don't even do CTs. They start with ultrasounds, which I'd have been fine with an ultrasound of the region. And so here I stand two days later, no clue what the pain's about, having been to two state-of-the-art places and my insurance having been billed. This is why our healthcare. Is crumbling. It is a for-profit system that is not working for anybody. And I'm not done on this topic. We'll talk about Thanksgiving as well when we come back. But I'm not done because I left there sad. I was sad. And I'll tell you why. Not just because the doctor was like, here's
1: my card. Have a scan. Goodbye. If you're not visiting reallycorrell.com daily you're missing out get the podcast videos and the blog including recipes at really that's really k-a-r-e-l.com it's broadcasting from a completely different point of view yours listen daily to the Corel cast on your favorite streaming service you're listening to the Corel cast Driving you home or driving you crazy.
0: So I go to Southern Hills Hospital here in Las Vegas. They take four tubes of blood, never give me the results, by the way. Then they do a CT scan with contrast that I'm not even really sure that I needed. Uh, I guess if it could have been a pulmonary embolus or something that was causing the pain, then okay, good to know that it's not that. But then when they find out what it's not, they don't do anything to tell me what it is. Instead, there's a doctor passing out business cards and ushering almost everybody to the scanner himself, who spent less than two minutes with me total. The whole time. And when I told him about my concern about my throat and and under my arm, you know, could you at least feel and see if there's any, you know, lumps or anything? No. No, that's for your primary care. And away he went. Meanwhile, there were so many people there for illnesses that diet and exercise would make so they're not there. You know, the food industry led these diabetics Oh, they're so sad. They were obese, weeping wounds. One was uh, one diabetic that was there. He was uh, incoherent. He couldn't walk that day. He had His shoulders were numb. They wouldn't even take him at dialysis because he was so sick. The other diabetic that was there, they weren't able to get her blood sugar. I mean, and I just kept thinking diabetes is reversible and curable in a majority of cases if you change your diet and change the way you exercise. And so many of the people that I saw there were so sick. They were just so sick. And they were all obese. Not one of them was the right body weight. People with, oh, there were so many antibiotics. I mean, they were, literally, I saw, there were three waiting areas behind the, the main waiting area. I was in waiting area three. There were two others. Number two was where I got my blood work done. And every recliner was filled with somebody on an IV on antibiotics. And they told me they were going to give me an IV. I said, "I'm hydrated. I'm fully hydrated. I had 60 ounces of water this morning. I don't I don't need hydration. I need to know what this pain is about." So you don't want the IV bag? I don't need the IV bag. They were they were putting everybody on an IV no matter what they were there for, not just putting the 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 junk in, you know, for the IV in case you needed it. No, no, no. And those bags ain't free. And all I saw at this Southern Hills Medical was a way to generate revenue for the hospital, which was expanding and has all kinds of construction going on. That's all I saw. I didn't see patient care. What kind of patient care is it to care for patients in a lobby where they're not even in a room where this guy is having to pee next to me, you know, with all these nurses and his ass hanging out? What kind of dignity was that? What kind of dignity was it for the guy with the diabetes in the wheelchair right next to me as the nurse is cleaning the pus from his wounds and wrapping his hands and all of that? What kind of dignity for him to be in that lobby with all those people sitting there watching him get his wounds dressed? Or the guy that had to have an arterial blood gas done and the pain that he was feeling because they have to draw it from his hand and him, you know, wincing and screaming and everything. And not, an, you know, oh, well, you know, we don't have enough rooms. Really? Because I see you building shit up, uh, you know, everywhere, and it's not just there. I've been to so many ERs and urgent cares over the years now, the last like maybe five years, where with myself or other people, where they literally treat you in the lobby. If you don't have room back in the back, beds available and rooms, then you should close your ER. Give people some dignity for the love of God. You're charging them through the frickin' hill. This one guy was a member of the culinary union. He had a $350 deposit. Oh, but they'll give you a 20% discount if you pay it today. It was actually like there was a Black Friday sale. I ain't making that up. They told me my copay was $90, but they would discount it 20% down to $72 if I paid it today. And I thought, I got someone playing, let's make a deal. So that guy, he only paid 280 instead of 350. And I'm sure that's because if they bill you and set up payments, there's administrative costs and whatever, so they pass those savings on to you, but while you're sitting there, it feels like they're playing, "Let's make a deal." And again, everybody's hearing your financial business. How did I know the guys on the culinary union that he's got a 350 deposit and all of that? Because he was sitting two chairs over from me. It was all so sad. The doctor not speaking to anybody for longer than two minutes. People not knowing what's going on, how long the testing is going to take. Not being able to talk to the doctor about other fears or concerns. And then me leaving without them even telling me what was wrong. It it was, And then people with diabetes and other illnesses, obesity-related illnesses, high blood pressure, heart attack, stroke, these are all related to diet and exercise and lifestyle. Our medical system is now just a for-profit money grab where patient health care is just sad and tragic, really. It is sad and tragic that you will treat people in a lobby. That is sad. And I don't care if you say, well, at least it's better than them not being treated at all. At least they have access. They have no dignity. They have no privacy. And they're sick. They don't want to be sitting there on display for everybody. Oh, yeah, look at my pussy wound. It was just sad. The whole experience was sad. You know, it brings up Thanksgiving, you know, diet and exercise. And, you know, we're getting rid of Columbus Day because he didn't discover shit. And, you know, he slaughtered the indigenous people, et cetera. Well, Thanksgiving, A, we don't celebrate the harvest anymore because we have grocery stores with a year-round harvest. So we don't celebrate a good bumper crop of corn or a good bumper crop. So that reason to celebrate Thanksgiving is, you know, gone. And B, Thanksgiving, you know, gives this false narrative that we and the indigenous people got along really well and that we were best buddies and everything went great. We all know that's a bunch of bull. So why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Abraham Lincoln is the one that put it into play during the Civil War. Cultures, you know, from the dawn of time, have celebrated days of thanks around, you know, things like the harvest or whatever. But again, you're not out there picking the corn. You're not harvesting the pumpkins. You don't care about a bumper crop of this or that. And it's certainly not to make us more in tune with the needs or wants of the indigenous Americans. So what exactly are we celebrating? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Well, we're giving thanks for family and friends. Isn't that Christmas? Isn't that every other holiday? What exactly are we celebrating on Thanksgiving? The bounty? Well, grocery prices are out of control. Starvation is at an all-time high, including child poverty. So what bounty are, you know, I think Thanksgiving needs to be reconsidered. I really do. I am Carell. You be who you want to be, so long as it doesn't hurt you, buddy. We will see you again on Wednesday. Uh, and until then, stay safe. And if you do go to the grocery store to buy groceries, bring some smelling salts, so when you faint at the total, uh, you know, they'll be able to revive you at the check so you can pay. Hey, it's Carell. Amber and I would like to thank you for joining us today and remind you there's a way to never miss a thing, and that's by subscribing right now to my YouTube channel. Just click the subscribe button below, or go to YouTube.com forward slash Really That's YouTube.com forward slash Really for a world of great free content. And that content is kept free by the fabulous group of patrons at Patreon. Why not become one and show your support for the show? Just $5 a month or more and you're in. Go to Patreon.com forward slash Really That's Patreon.com forward slash Really my website is reallyCorell.com and everything fabulous is there from the show to blog and recipes. Instagram and all social media are, you guessed it, Really And it couldn't get much easier by simply downloading the free CorelCast app at the app store of your choice. And then all the content from Corel Media will flow right on through. That's the Free CorelCast app. Remember, I am Corel. Be who you want to be, so long hurt anybody. And subscribe and participate today.